This is the Ed Milet Show. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. I think when I created the show called Max Out, that was the original title of the show, now it's the Ed Milet Show, I'm pretty sure you're the complete and total embodiment of Max Out. And I don't just mean in your athletic career. But having said that, let me properly introduce our guest today. He's a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but I'm going to tell you, I think in researching him more and more, we're talking about one of the greatest athletes of all time in any sport, not just in bodybuilding, because of the way he repeated, his consistency. And the funny thing about him is that's not my most impressive thing about him. It's his mind. I was telling him when we just started, I said, you are one complicated and complex dude. And he really is. Today is going to be a ride of insight uh, into success, personal development, peak performance, happiness, and a person in a story with a ton of insight that's going to inspire you. So, Phil Heath, welcome to the show. No, thank you. It's a ple- pleasure to be here. It's so good to have you. Yeah. Man. Thank you for flying all the way out and making this happen, yeah. too. So, so many of our mutual friends, as you know, were like, you guys got to get together. <laughs> Absolutely. O- over and over, they repeated that to me. All right, I got so many things I want to ask you, but I want to ask you the craziest thing first, actually. Perfect. You're training for a show, and you're okay. back in the day training. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody here relates to this. How did you deal with the invisible temptations that come your way? So obviously it's your sport. You're the best maybe ever at it. You're in the, you're on the hand, you're on the Mount Rushmore for sure. Mm-hmm. It's the little temptations though, to like eat the wrong thing or wing it a little bit on leg day. Like, did you ever have those temptations? Like in a quiet moment, no one's watching. It's Phil Heath. He can go grab like a Hershey bar or something in training. Like, how did you resist the temptation of those things? Or did you indulge in those things when you were training? I knew um, how I wanted to look on stage, Mm -hmm. and I knew that creating that distraction Mm. was not going to allow me to have peak performance. And the last thing I wanted to do was to be on stage next to someone who did cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Very good. And then have that regret Mm. while I'm on stage of thinking, I should beat this person, no question about it. Mm. But I had a moment of weakness, and I allowed that weakness to make me feel unsure of myself. And now I have zero certainty that I'm going to win. Mm. And I love to have certainty, but based on my performance. Yeah, why so, does certainty matter so much? Uh, because as much as I can't control it, mm. I would like to control the outcome. Mm-hmm. And the best way to put my, my you know, self in the best position to win mm. is to not deviate from the plan. Mm. And that's something that, of course, you know, allowed me to earn you know those moments on stage where mm. you know, I looked my best mm. and you know overall I think when you're standing up there with just those little tiny posing trunks on that's the last thing you want to be thinking is like gosh I'm holding on to too much water to so much you know a little bit of fat here or there mm. oh my gosh I shouldn't have ate those hot dogs I shouldn't have <laughs> went to that party yeah and and it does it does suck I mean I'm not going to sit here and act mm. like you know I I didn't want to enjoy, you know, fun, fun memories, fun times with friends. I mean, the Mr. Olympia contest is a Super Bowl of the bodybuilding and typically it would be held in September. So therefore my last weekend would follow either on or be, or, you know, it'd be in July. So like maybe the 4th of July would be like my last time to do anything, Anything. but that's a summer. Yeah. So I spent like 13 years consecutively, no summers at all. That's crazy. Yeah. I just always... Yeah, last night, I know I'm interviewing you. This is no joke. The reason I, that question was just for me. I know I'm interviewing you last night, and I'm doing intermittent fasting, but I had like I started my fasting window earlier than I wanted to because of work. It's mm-hmm. like 9.30, man. And behind me is like these like chocolate almonds sitting there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm getting ready just to grab, just scart these suckers. Yeah. And I literally thought, what would Phil Heath do? Mm. And I'm like, ah, crap. All right, I won't eat these things. And I went to bed in tears. So <laughs> <laughs> They're still there, though. That's still- the, yeah, <laughs> right. I think that's one of the things I had to remind myself is that they're still there. Mm-hmm. You can have them just another time. There you go. They just don't, they're just not a part of this journey. Mm. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I speak oftentimes or I'm coaching people, I'll say, do all the things you don't want to do as fast as you can so you can do all the things you want to do for as long as you can. So those things are there to be done. They just may not be in this time for you. It's kind of like spending money. I watch mm. a lot of guys, you know, make a little bit of money or people, not just guys, people make a little bit of money and they, they can't resist the temptation to spend it prematurely instead of just once you're really, really wealthy, you could then go buy that car. Right. Stop trying to look rich before you're rich because you end up being broke doing it. So 
anyway. A hundred percent, man. Yeah. Like, no, like I see that a lot in our sport and, um, heck I did it early on. Yeah. Me too. You know? Yeah. And, and I, it, but I felt like that was a, a good learning lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to learn two different lessons in life, right? Yeah. They're both going to cost you something. Mm-hmm. One can be inexpensive. One could be extremely expensive, expensive lessons. Yeah. So I, I told myself like, yeah, I'm going to buy that car. But then I realized, Ooh, gosh, I better either learn how to make more money <laughs> or yeah. never do that again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of uh, discipline to have. Well, you, you've disciplined your whole life though. So I'm reading you. I'm like, okay, this guy's got two degrees. Mm-hmm. This guy was a college basketball player yeah. and like a really, really good one. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's been this element of discipline that's, I mean, I'm sure it's increased as you got older and the sport got more competitive and you, you know, you were the best in the world at something. But the other thing I was researching, like, I don't know that I've interviewed an athlete before that I think is more equipped to be in this space, like personal development, helping people peak performance, those kind of things. How did it, when did this shift for you? Cause I'm reading about you. You play college basketball. You're a really good player. Then you're like working at Bally's. Yeah, man. So Phil Heath worked at Bally's and made smoothies, That's right? right? So like, little do you know, man, when you're, you don't know who you're talking to when you go That's into right. these places. How'd you get from there to where you ended up? Were you, were you going to be a pro bodybuilder then? No. Well, yeah. So how it worked out was this. Was, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're going back, man, 20 years. So right, I went to the University of Denver and, you know, played ball and, got the degrees, all that stuff. And then I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? Yeah. Um, any job in IT mm-hmm. was gone. And, and when I say gone, like after 9-11, I mean, things started, you mm-hmm. know, going to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. And typically they would say, oh, you know, you have a you know, major in IT, you know, with an emphasis in like software engineering, you're mm-hmm. going to make like 70 grand a year. That went down to like 45. And I was like, geez, like, that's not cool. Like, right. I, and then I got general business. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Right. And then I thought, man, I just want to do something cool. Mm-hmm. And a, a friend of mine was like, I'll just get your job at Bally's. You can be a retail manager. And I thought, well, okay, why not? Mm. If I don't like it, I can always leave. Okay. And I end up loving it because, you know, at first you're thinking, yeah, he's making smoothies. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just making smoothies. Mm-hmm. I was actually hiring and firing employees because mm-hmm. I needed employees to run the, the pro mm-hmm. shop. I was doing all of the ordering. I had to understand all the, you know, the Bally Total Fitness system, protocol, manual, handbook, all that stuff. I was actually engaging with those different vendors from Pepsi-Cola or, you know, a worldwide nutrition to bring in all, I was doing all the ordering of nutritionals. Mm. So then I had to actually go through the back end and figure out like, okay, what are we selling? And I used to get into arguments with our regional because mm. I would never hit quota. Yeah. And I said, gosh, like I'm not hitting this quota. Like what the heck? And everybody else was hitting theirs and we would have like these monthly meetings and they'd say, yeah, I feel like you're at 96%. Like, mm. and then one day I told her, I said, listen, <laughs> you're more concerned with the percentage mm. of the quota, but you're not concerned if that same person is keeping the damn lights on. Mm. See, I can discount this water mm-hmm. for my friend. Right. But what's the profit margin there you go. for each store? Mm-hmm. I said, let's just focus on that. Mm. She of course got clowned, right? And yeah. then all, the, and then basically every other retail manager in the state hated me because they're like, "Yeah, you, you outed us." And I'm like, mm. "No, like you guys are losing money. Mm. All of them should be fired." Wow, because they're hitting their quota. Yeah, but yet you're losing money. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Well, I'm at 54 percent profit margin for a retail store. That's pretty damn good. Really good for a retail That's store. Really good. Yeah, you guys are." 38%. Yeah. So who's making money here? So, you know, I, I remember thinking of Phil, you have to embrace that as this little shop mm-hmm. is yours. Mm. You own this. What a great lesson. And if you don't treat it like that, if you just treat it just like a job, you'll just be a regular dude. Mm-hmm. But if you treat this like a real, like you, this is your shop. Yeah. If no employee, if everyone walked out on you and you still show up, which if this, if Jane went out mm-hmm. partying the night before, got mm-hmm. sick, mm-hmm. who who had to show up? Mm-hmm. I did, mm-hmm. and I did it without complaining, maybe a couple times, you right, know. Yeah. But at the same time, it taught me a lot, and what? it also taught me with with regards to when I wanted to become a professional bodybuilder, those supplement companies that I would end up working with. Yeah. Which ones do I want to work with? Because I'm like, oh, I don't want to work with you guys. You guys suck. Like I don't like your products. Yeah, you knew. Yeah. You also learned to run a business. So right. you you. you 
such a huge lesson to like bloom where you're planted, right? Like your dream probably wasn't to work there the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. but you made the most of it and, you know, gained the most lessons from it, grew the most from doing it. There's a lot of people that are listening to the show right now. They're not in their dream right now. Right. They got a dream, but they're placed right now somewhere else. Well, you end up making this massive dream come true in kind of like an affiliated way, like a vertical, I guess. You went from valleys to a bodybuilder. But you you gleaned all these lessons from being there. Most people, you know this, brother, they just kind of like they're unconsciously where they are. It yeah. sounds to me like you were really conscious. And when we were prepping, I want to talk about how you go from there to becoming a bodybuilder. But then, I mean, I don't think most people, you know, they Phil Heath, seven-time Mr. Olympia. It's like, my gosh, the amount of work that must have taken, the amount of mental fortitude. And you say, like, you believe all people were born to do something, like, really special with their life, right? 100%. Like, w- elaborate on that, but did you think that then? Or have you, like, sort of realized that now that you've really done something special with your life? A little bit of both. I think I was, um, I had some prophetic moments in my life. Hmm. Um, one would be, you know, earning a Division One scholarship and being interviewed by the Seattle Times. Like, hey, Phil, like, you know, do you have any aspirations of going to NBA? I still remember this quote, and I said, I was 17, and I said, I don't know about the NBA, but I plan on being pro at something. You did at 17. I said, because I want to be pro at something. Mm. And I didn't know what that would be, obviously, but I wanted to, because a professional takes a level of precision with their craft, and you know, to be a pro at something, Mm. that means that that person's no joke. Yeah. You know, they're not average. Mm. And for me, you know, my, I had an old roommate that, Nick made me nicknamed me the gift and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so freaking arrogant. Mm. Oh, people are gonna people are gonna lay into me if I use this. Mm. And we sat there and he goes, No. You're the gift because you have one. It's completely different than this typical negative stereotypes of a bodybuilder. Mm. You come from a different background. Yeah. And you're able to relate to people in different sports. Mm-hmm. bringing them into bodybuilding it's true you speak well you mm-hmm. you just look different mm-hmm. and you have a different story and then one day you're going to share this with people i mean he had a moment for sure it's to huge. see something in me i was very thankful of that so i used the nickname and then i realized that how do i met how do i preach this message to others it's more of a we're all born with one a gift mm. but it's on us to when i say oh i gotta find my calling it's like you already have something special mm. What you're afraid of doing is working hard at it. Wow. You're afraid. Mm. And once you step up mm. and you stare at yourself in the mirror and know who the hell you are, mm. and you fail, but you fail forward, mm. and you learn, and um, wow. you keep working at this, you put yourself in a better position to succeed, and then once you get a, you know, one level, then you go to the next one. Mm. See, a lot of people, they stay at that one level because mm. it's comfortable. Yeah. But just like a video game, you know, you talk, I talk to kids and they play these games and stuff. As the levels get higher, the difficulty increases as well. Yeah. But you have a choice when you die in the game. Mm. Continue or game over. Very good. It actually gives you a choice. Yeah. You actually have a choice in your life. Oh, Bill, that's good. Mm. So I chose to keep going mm. just to see. Mm. And when I started, you know, looking better and, feeling more confident and trust me my first competition i had so much false bravado let me tell you i did not i thought walking out there on stage and just having this you know like terminator look and i'm gonna it was so much insecurity in my heart really that's why i did that really really i wasn't sure of myself Mm. and then the crowd's laughing at you see i thought the same okay they're laughing because I didn't smoke the whole damn show. Okay, you did. But okay. see how your mind and, yep. your, and, you know, with your reality is two different things. Yeah. I was so scared, man, mm. that I didn't know. And then until this lady screams out, she goes, smile, you're beautiful. And everybody starts laughing again. I was like, oh, I guess I do look good. Wow. But the whole time my training partners are saying, dude, you're going to smoke this. But mm. I didn't want to believe. Mm. It took another person to tell me that. In my time of vulnerability, literally wearing the trunks and stuff with no mirror in front of me to see if I'm doing it right. And then I owned it. Hmm. That's one of my favorite things anyone's ever said on the show. That whole 
piece right there, mm. what you just said, and I've done a lot of shows, but the fact that we all have a gift in us. Yes. And that it's identifying that gift and that so many of us are afraid, yeah. you know, do you think that the fear, afraid of doing the work, think they're afraid of doing the work? Are they afraid they're going to fail? Like, it's almost like if I don't know what my gift is, then I can sort of stay in this space of like, I don't know, you know, I'll figure it out eventually. You're BSing yourself the whole entire time and then you're yeah. going to hate yourself later on because yeah. you're going to see that person get what's yours. Wow. They're going to get, they're, like, you got a very nice watch on. I love it. Thank you. I want to get one one day, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if I quit, I ain't going to get it. Right. And then I'm going to be jealous. Yeah. Yeah. That guy got the girl that I wanted, or that guy got the mm-hmm. vacation for his family that he wanted. Mm-hmm. What's preventing you from doing it? Mm-hmm. You. 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 Mm-hmm. You're telling me that that man, that woman, is any better than you? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. They just did the work, mm-hmm. especially when no one was watching their ass. That's the big thing about your sport, bro. It's not a team. It's a team sport because I suppose you sometimes train with other guys, but I bet in your case you trained alone a lot. I, I'm, yeah. Like Chuck Norris, man. Yeah. Like I do this alone, <laughs> right? And is that part of that reason? Like you didn't want to know what you were doing. You wanted to know how you looked, or just you wanted the solace of just being in that mode by yourself. I, tr- well, I was raised as an only child. Yeah. So I enjoyed, especially playing basketball. You know, hanging out with your friends. Mm-hmm. But when it came to bodybuilding, I knew that I'm going to be standing on that stage alone, mm-hmm. and they have an entourage. So they're so used to having everybody. Pump them up. So good. Tell them how great they are. You know, oh, come on, champ. You got it, champ. And I'm thinking, no. Mm. It's just me and the weights. Mm. If anything, I'm going to go insane and I'm going to talk trash to these weights. Then I'm going to look at myself in the mirror of saying, do you you have one more? I'm literally that nuts. Like, I'm like, you want more, don't you? Hell yeah, let's go. Or, man, that was was great. Mm -hmm. Or, wow, I'm going through a really tough time. Mm. And I don't feel it's necessary to have someone carry that for me or you yeah i don't want them to do that yeah um and then also i don't want to be responsible to saying hey ed i'm training at 2 30 and then i get in a, a mm-hmm. meeting and then i'm late and mm-hmm. then now you're like gosh like i really want to train with you phil but i got a wife and kids at home like i, I got other stuff to do yeah. now i didn't screwed you over yeah and i damn sure don't want you doing that to me dude you're super interesting to me man like you you said this thing on the video game levels. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to the highest level of that game. Mm-hmm. What happened as you went higher? Take, take us through for a second. Like, and I did. I played college baseball, Division One college baseball. Mm-hmm. That's a certain level of baseball. That is oh, yeah. absolutely not Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. though, right? So I know what it took to get to that level. But I also know these other levels. And then to get to the big leagues, of, to, to give a metaphor of it, the major leagues of bodybuilding is to get your pro card. Right. And then to win a contest is a big deal. But to then win the major, you know, to win the Arnold would be a big deal. But then to win the Olympia. Yeah. Then to repeat and win it again. Then to repeat and win it again and again and again and again and to do it seven times. This is a level of the video game that is bonkers for most people, right? Yeah. So what's the separator between, and don't be, I know you're humble, but don't be for a minute. What did you do? You got the gift. You've already always acknowledged genetically. I got a good hand dealt to me. Mm-hmm. But what was different at that level? Because there's a lot of people listening. They want to be that in their business, that in their family, that in their church. They're lying. They don't really want it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because do they are, are they really saying that for themselves or they're saying that for the world? Mm-hmm. I think they're saying it to sound cool. I think they're saying it to sound. They're trying to um, maybe do it for their parents. Mm-hmm. who held them to a higher standard mm-hmm. that maybe they were young and um the love was very conditional meaning so, you perform i love you more exactly yeah i think the world is like that so do i but god ain't like that right. so i leaned on my faith a lot but also i got called out because i can tell you if anyone's out there and they want to see how i i had imposter syndrome 2010 olympia uh 2009 olympia I had food poisoning. So I did everything in my power to like still compete. Okay. EMTs are at my room, oh, you know, till four, the five forty something in the morning. And I was like, God, please, you know, like, I, I just want to, mm. I just want to compete because I just met all these fans from all over the world at the meeting green. I don't want to let them down. Mm. So I competed and got fifth. I was like, okay. And then I did the Arnold classic, got second. So I said, okay, I'm getting momentum. Mm. 
And then it's just myself and um, Jay Cutler. Who's a friend of yours. Yes. Right? Yep. Who definitely was, he's an iconic mm-hmm. figure in our sport. And Joe Weider is up there on stage as well. And they're getting ready to read off the next name, being at the you know Olympia. And they said, Jay Cutler. Now, I was actually happy he won, not because we were friends, but because of how heavy the head that wears the crown. Really? Holy smoke. Because you realize when you're friends with someone that is the champion, and he lost his in 08 and then regained it in 09, but I saw Ronnie Coleman with his number eight, and, and, and I've seen like how, how fans treat people. I've seen how reporters treat people when they're multi-level champions mm-hmm. and stuff. You go from the hero to the villain sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, because people just, oh, I just want to see someone else win. Yes. You know, the whole Tom Brady effect. Yes. You know? And I saw that play out, and I thought, man, I don't f- truly feel. I didn't know this right away. Mm-hmm. I dissect not just game film and basketball. I dissect myself in bodybuilding. See, I don't think a lot of athletes do that in our sport. Mm. They're posing and stuff, but do they really rewind the tape? Not in admiration, but in critique of Mm -hmm. their body language. Mm -hmm. I went by my body language. I exhaled when they read that name. So I started to ask myself, why did you exhale? You're relieved? Exactly. Wow. I was relieved because of what? I was more concerned over the fact that at prejudging at the Arnold Classic, six months prior, I was in the lead of beating Kai Green. Mm. Then I lost and I felt, I'll be honest, I felt like I got robbed. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm never going to lose to this guy again. Mm. Well, I didn't lose to him again. But I didn't win the Olympia. Wrong My standard. goal should have been... Wrong standard. Yeah. That's been there, done that, like who cares? Yeah. Not only am I never going to lose this guy again, I'm going to win this freaking show. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get some real get back. Yeah. See, I was so focused on just getting some get back on Kai yeah. that I was comfortable being just friends with Jay because also I recognize how people treated Jay when he was chasing Ronnie all those years. Mm. They always love second place. <laughs> oh, you almost had it, Ed. You yeah. almost had it, man. Yeah. Like, you know, come back next year. We love you, bro. Yeah. That, but don't you think you can oftentimes in life be getting so caught up in beating someone else that you cheat yourself out of the capacity of what you could have been had you were just trying to be your best? Exactly. Right. Run when, your own race. When you say that race, though, when you say, hey, <laughs> I want to unpack what you said there. So I said, hey, a lot of people are saying right now they want to be that level. And you go, no, they don't. They're lying. Is it because you know what's required to do that and most people are not willing to pay that level of price and that's what they're lying to themselves about? Yeah. yeah. I, I truly feel that when, it, when it's between you and that opportunity or you and that person who's going for that job, that promotion, mm-hmm. how competitive are you really mm-hmm. um, with yourself? Yeah, you yourself. truly have to know who the hell you are mm. to exude that confidence, mm-hmm. not arrogance, but that confidence because you did the work and you're willing to receive the good, the bad and the ugly that comes with that job. Yeah. When I'm no military guy, but I love our military. Yeah, when, when we see in a film and they say, I need five men to go do this mission and they all stand up. Yeah. Are they scared? No, I don't think so. There might be another person that's scared that didn't stand up or maybe one person out of that five is like, I guess I'm, but I don't think so. Mm. I think when they stand up, they know what the assignment is. Mm. They know that they may not make it, mm. but they're going to do it because they trained to do this mm. and they love to do this. And in 2010, I definitely looked great. I mean, I looked awesome. In fact, I look back and I'm like, man, I maybe could have won that, you know? Yeah. But mentally I wasn't ready and emotionally see those emotions i should never claim something that i'm not emotionally conscious Mm. emotionally equipped Mm. i should stand up there so so to fast forward i told myself you're the biggest wimp you're a chump really you'll never do another interview with flex magazine muscle and fitness and say you're going to be the champ. Oh, I'm, you know, you do the hype thing. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, beat your chest. Yeah, man, I'm going for the title next year. Yeah, this is mine. It's like, really? Because you just punked out right there, and no one else caught you this time. Maybe the next time their asses will. Mm. And you don't like living with yourself. Mm. Wow. 
See, so I didn't like living with myself with those terrible standards. Mm. But the world, see, the world, second place, man. Mm-hmm. Ain't too bad. Right. You're just right there. You're so close. Yeah. Sponsors. Second place ain't bad, Phil. Second in the second in the world. We'll go ahead and, you know, renew your contract and stuff. Mm. Whatever you need. What do I want? Mm. Looks cool to see what Ronnie Coleman did. Mm. I was there when he won number eight. You were. And I got a chance to hang out with him till seven thirty in the morning. And I I love that. <laughs> that the fact that I got to see it, I got to eat the same food, and I got yeah. to go to the nightclub. I did all this stuff. I could see it on your face, and I'm just pumped, know. man. Yeah. And I and I'm thinking like, oh, he was able to, man. He 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 owns a house. He owned his mom's house. Like he was able to buy the cars he wanted. Like he was able to travel the world and have lines longer than train smoke mm. to meet with him. I met with Ronnie in 2004. I was waiting in that line for four and a half hours. You were, wow. Then I meet Jay, and I and I see Jay accomplish these things. I'm punking out, man. Don't I want that? Right. And I'm probably doing a disservice to every person who's ever poured energy into me. Mm. I'm punking out, man. Mm. So I'm not, so, but I still got to choose. Yeah. Because they'll still be okay. Mm. Because they've never achieved it. You're right. Your high school teacher. Hell no. There you go. Yeah. So I had to make a, I had to plant a flag. I said, hell no, this is mine. Uh, uh, and it wasn't even about beating Jay. Mm-hmm. It was about being the best version of myself Love because that. I don't care. And, th- and <laughs> we're going there. Mm-hmm. I didn't oh. give a damn if Ronnie would have came back. I didn't care who was going to step on that stage. If Dorian Yates was reincarnated, whatever, you know, Arnold, whoever. I was like, I'm going against King freaking Kong, man. Yeah. And that's what I, I just felt it in my spirit. And I owned it every rep, every set, every freaking workout, every cardio session. Mm. I, I knew what it was re- going to require. And then when I won, every, it's like the synapses in my brain, like it went to like childhood, early adulthood, all these different whys in the road mm. brought me here. You did. You like flash. It was just like super flash. It went all the way back when, you know, I was just a kid and seeing violence, seeing this, seeing my parents split up when I was three, like what that felt like, like to being told, you know, later on, like you didn't make the basketball team to mm-hmm. being on the team to winning state to, you know, to going to play college, didn't like your coach, like how it made you feel going through mental health issues in college, like mm-hmm. to get into bodybuilding, to turning pro, to, you know, meeting Joe Weider, to then literally uh well even before that like having no money you know because yeah, yeah. bodybuilders you know no you have money. no money, money you know had no money but finally met joe weeder got us got a signed contract literally had a car that was flooded and 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 had no forms of transportation to sign with joe weeder taking that t- taking that five grand check getting a <laughs> buying a 2001 Lincoln LS8. Nice. <laughs> Bringing that car back, wearing the shorts, wearing the tank top, wearing the bandana, looking like Sean Ray. And I Sean get, Ray. and I get in an accident two and a half later, two and a half hours later. I get rear-ended. Awesome. I get rear-ended right before I turn pro, like two weeks out, oh, having to go through, oh my gosh, my back goes out a week before to all these different things. Your back went out the week before you won the Olympia? No, the one before I won my, uh, uh, pro card. Oh my gosh. So wow. I'm like, that's just I did all this stuff. Yeah. To lead to that moment. To lead to that moment. I was like, man, I didn't give up, man. That's so awesome. Thank God, man. I didn't give up, man. Because I'll tell you, like if I would have gave up and I would have just been comfortable, yeah. that would have been my new comfort of being second. Oh wow. It's so good. I would have never gone there. And oh, this is good. This is good. That, oh my gosh, I, yeah. that feeling. Yeah. Did you, so you didn't immediately feel, I'm just curious. So you win, your dream happens. So you're saying, w- making your dream happen, say this for everybody, or let us in on it, mm-hmm. exceeded, met, or didn't meet your expectations, like emotionally when you hit it? I had arrived. That's cool. That's how I felt. Mm. It was all worth it. This is your new start. Mm. Because now you're Mr. Olympia. <laughs> you're not these guys. You've already beat them. You've already, con- that, that's, that's in your rear view. Mm. And fans may look at that as like, oh, that's cocky. It's like, no, man, I did the work. Right. I, know the f- I, I know the secret. 
to mm-hmm. my own success. You found your recipe. Right. And yeah. can I tweak it now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How did Ferrari win all those championships? Mm-hmm. They tweaked it. Very good, Phil. Right? Very good. What was it? Zero to 60 in eight seconds, the first car, and then, you know, they got better and better and better. Mm-hmm. That's, I look at that and I say, well, why not me? Very good. So I put something out there that was nuts. Mm. I said, I'm going to win 10 of these damn things. <laughs> That's great. And people were like, this guy, yeah. freaking arrogant, a-hole, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If your kids tell you, dad, mom, stranger, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, doctor, lawyer, I want to be entrepreneur, YouTuber, whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't piss on their parade. Right. Yeah. So who are you to tell me any different? Yeah, throw it out there. What do you think? I'm going to ask you a couple things about this. You are saying some things in this interview that are some of my favorite freaking things I've heard. It's got some credibility because it's you, right? right? Like, because you did this. This isn't theoretical. But so why don't most people repeat in life? Like, I think of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that used to be rich that aren't anymore. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that were really, really doing well for a while. Then they weren't. I know I work with a lot of athletes that win one major golf tournament mm-hmm. and never win another one. Or they get to a title belt in the UFC or in boxing that I've worked with and they can't repeat as champion. What is it about repeating? So was repeating harder or easier? And was, you know, keep climbing, right? Winning two is better than winning one. Winning five is better than winning four. So not only did you win, but you repeated. So you sustained a level of excellence over an extended period of time. So in life, most people never touch their potential. Mm -hmm. But the few that do, very Mm -hmm. few of them then exceed it. And continue to stretch it out further and further and further. Go to the next level of the video game. What What is it that made you do that? Was it just a mental thought of, I got the recipe now, I'm going to tweak it? Or was it this, you threw out the big goal, so you hit the one goal of once, and you're like, forget it, it's not one, it's ten. So the, the finish line got further away or got bigger, and that caused you to do the work. Do you know what it was? Yeah, when I did my first Arnold Classic, I put it out there that I wanted to be top three. Okay. Being top three got me fifth. Mm-hmm. See? So sometimes you say, like, oh, I want third. It may not work out like that. Very good. And you got fifth. See, I know, I won't mention his name. A friend of mine, he won one Mr. Olympia. And he said, all I wanted to do was win one. And that's all that happened. Mm-hmm. So you sell yourself short. And, and yep. you know, I, I think that's okay. That's their dream, whatever. Mm-hmm. For me, hell no. I looked at it for what it was i i was you know young enough and i was good enough mm-hmm. and i didn't have any injuries at the time mm-hmm. it was more like why not why not do you fall in love with the process and not just the destination too? for sure it was like mm. i mean how can i transform this body into into this is crazy like yeah and it comes from hard work discipline all that but when i recognized that i could do this better Again, I'll talk about video games. It's like the best thing is not just to get your, you know, I'm like old school arcade guy. Mm -hmm. So like we go to arcade. Oh, I got my name in the, in the game, Mm -hmm. but you're 10th dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't you want to be a number one? Mm -hmm. And that's how I looked at it. I was like, okay, well, I have, I have an opportunity if I choose to, Mm -hmm. to play that game again Mm -hmm. and just challenge myself. Like how big can I go? I mean, it could be, you know, in anything. It could be literally anything. Just how competitive with myself can I do this? How how can I gamify this? Yep. You you there's a level of competitiveness with you that's almost scary. Even when I first said to you, Hey, there's all these people that think that want to be the number one in what they do. Not only did you say they're lying, but you said it with a level of like disdain and almost anger, like you don't know what this is, and that's mine. There's a the great athletes that I work with or that I know, or even the elite business women or businessmen that I know, they are psycho competitive. Mm-hmm. They want to beat everybody, yeah. but they also want to find this their they want to explore their capacity. Yes. And that's, I mean, you just kept exploring it and exploring it and exploring it. I'm curious, like physically training. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've never felt smaller in my life sitting across <laughs> from you. I was telling the producers, I was telling Sarah here, like when he gets in here, I will never look smaller in my life. But I know for me that when I'm training for something, mm-hmm. I train harder than when I'm just training. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm an amateur at any sport I do, right? Right. But I mean... 
or I've got some real clear goal. Like right now, I'm trying to go from like I was like 226. I want to just see what it would be like to get my body at 185. I'm just curious as to what it'll look like, and then I'll play with it when I get there. People are like, why do you want to do that? I don't really need to lose the weight. I just want the physical challenge of doing it. I want Mm -hmm. to see if I can express my body differently at 50 years old, right? So I'm trying to do that. So I'm training more focused because I've got this clear goal. I'm curious, when you would physically train, you're going in there to do which the hardest thing for everybody is leg day. Are you, is there a part of you like flashing? I'm not kidding either. I want to know this. Are you like flashing to the Olympia? You're going to be on the stage? Like as you're grinding through legs, are you just doing the process? Or is there part of you that like kind of visualizes the dream, maybe just even like a flash of it when you're training or when you're driving to the gym or when you're going home? Are you in a continuous state of thinking about the ultimate outcome or do you just execute all the time? Um, I sit with myself prior to training for a comp. and. I try to visualize based on what I previously have done. Okay. What I want to improve on. So you mentioned leg day. So one of the things I realized was I had really good leg development. However, I wanted to maximize it to neutralize another competitor's leg development. Okay. See, so my mind was thinking like a boxer of saying, this guy's got a great jab, man. Yeah. Now my jab may not have to be as good as his, but I got to be able to move accordingly just to do the counter and if i can neutralize his strength now he's got to deal with mine very good so when i'm doing you know legs my mindset was you must treat this day better than any other day this one right in this front of me. leg day mm-hmm. because average person if i say by raise of hands who wants to train arms with me everybody's gonna raise their hands if i say chess if I say legs, it's right. they start squirming. Yep. So I recognized that I was probably the same. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to produce a challenge to myself. So I did legs twice a week you really and did. cardio. <laughs> so you're not in the most advantageous scenario where, you know, <laughs> your legs are fresh, right? right? right. You're like yeah, dying and I'm thinking, but I need that pain. I'm going to go to a different level Very good. of like, do you really want this? And there was days that I remember one time I'm training in uh, where's that? San Jose in California with my old trainer, uh, Honey Rambod. And he's putting me through the paces and he says, okay, do walking lunges. And my girlfriend at the time, now fiance, Cherie was just like, um, you didn't tell him when to stop. He goes, I know. He goes, but he knows. He's just going to keep going. That's awesome. So we kind of know like, okay, do four sets of 50 yards, this and that, you know. Mm-hmm. He trusts me. It's more like Phil Jackson and Jordan type yeah. of thing. Yep. I just kept going. And I, I just went until I had tears in my eyes. And... um. You know, they thought it, she thought it was sweat. And then she realized he's like wobbling and this and that. And I'm like struggling to get up. And then she like ran over and honey, I could hear him in the background because I have my headphones on. And he was like, no, told her no. And um, I looked back and I was like, I kept going until I was ready. We get in the car, we go eat. And then she later on asked me, what was that about? And I said, well, he may not tell you, but like he and I kind of, we understand each other. Mm-hmm. He knew I needed that. She's like, well, what is that? I said, my dad had just died. And I heard him mm. say, keep going. Oh, you wow. ain't done. Wow. And he was a tough dude, man. Yeah. So I was like, I had already made a commitment that I was going to go the extra mile um, wow. to make him proud. And then I thought, well, I got to go to a place where I'm almost hallucinating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm in my spirit. Yeah. And then I could keep going. Mm -hmm. And that was like so special for me because I went to another level that I know damn well other people aren't willing to go. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the zone. Mm -hmm. So you can be in the zone playing hoops, right? You know, you Mm -hmm. hit unconscionable threes, you know, like Steph Curry, this and that. You just keep shooting. You're like, man, I can't miss. You can do that in bodybuilding, too. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've had guests like Joe sure. Dispenza and sure. stuff. Yeah. Totally. 
you trick your mind and you stay in your spirit and stuff. And who's to tell you that you have to stop at 12 repetitions every now and again, Mm -hmm. just go as long as you're not hurting yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about tendons and ligaments and joints and stuff doing that. Then there's a problem. I was in the zone. Oh brother. And yeah, I, I heard my pops. And that kept me going, and I'm glad he showed up for me. So cool. I didn't grow up with him. Mm-hmm. So to hear him show up for me like that. That's incredible. I was like, hell yeah. Like, no one's going to no tear me alive. Like, I'm, my soul's on fire, man. Mm. These guys are going to have some freaking hell to pay come September. I and love I, it. And I whooped their ass. <laughs> I love this it. This was 2013. Mm. You know, the, the 2013, 2014, 2015. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm like. These guys have no chance because I'm willing to go to places where they won't, won't mentally. They think now, mind you, you watch a YouTube video. The guy could be mm-hmm. training, you know, 800 pound squats. I'll never do that. Mm-hmm. 500 pound uh, bench. I'll never do that. Mm-hmm. But the intensity, mm-hmm. I would outlast them. No question about it. we pick a certain weight in a certain given time when they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was just and I embraced that. As our friend Tim Grover would say, the the yeah. dark side. Yeah, I freaking love that part. Yeah, brother, you, there is so much depth to you, and your ability to articulate it is unbelievably special. And I'm over here like ready, literally, to punch you and let you punch me back. Yeah. Like, I'm so fired. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm I'm just. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, like, there's so much to unpack in things you say. Mm. So, this idea of hallucinations. Hallucinating is such a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's such got a, such a bizarre connotation for people, but great people hallucinate a lot. They mm-hmm. hallucinate about what they're capable of. They hallucinate about what it's going to be like when they get there. They hallucinate about their how they're going to get through different painful situations. It's such a really unique word that you used. I have hallucinations all the time, and I think they're beautiful. It's it's a form of dreaming, but it's also a form of inspiration. The other thing is when you push past certain barriers in your life that you know most people or even ourselves think we're not capable of that's when beautiful moments like this gift from your dad showing up reveal themselves to us and it's so both of those things happen for a really unique reason Mm -hmm. man I, i just love how you phrase things and i love the fact that you've done all of them none of them are theory for you Mm -hmm. let's talk about one of the things about bodybuilding and we're not gonna we're we're talking about bodybuilding but we're really not today right we're talking about life it's a metaphor it's you have to someone like you has built or maybe you're unconscious of this too you've built a relationship with pain that mm. is unlike what most people have with pain your relationship with it in other words everything that you have to do mm-hmm. requires pain that's not true in every other sport right it's not true in most careers there's elements of it mm-hmm. but you develop maybe you're not conscious of it but i'm going to make you be conscious of it right now you mm-hmm. have a relationship with pain that is remarkable because you went through it every single day over and over and over again. So how do you view pain? Have you ever thought about that? Like everything you did every single day required extreme pain most mm-hmm. of the time. So how do you think you have a relationship with it? Like you run towards it every day. You habitually embraced pain. If you think about it, in the gym daily. Yeah. Um, Isn't that interesting? Very. <laughs> and I appreciate the opportunity to answer this. I loved it. You loved pain. Look at huh. your face. Wow. It's dawning on you right yeah, now. Yeah, like <laughs> the sweat. The, you know, because mm-hmm. it just reminds me of like how many people, they, they BS. Mm-hmm. Oh, the blood, sweat, and tears. It's like, what blood? What sweat, man? Mm-hmm. What are we really talking about? Mm-hmm. We're talking about like doing the work when you are at your most vulnerable in your personal life. Or in your business, mm-hmm. when you don't feel like it, mm-hmm. when your friends have turned against you, mm-hmm. when that business partner lied to you, mm-hmm. when you're going through divorce mm-hmm. and people are judging you and shaming you, mm-hmm. and all I have is the gym mm-hmm. and being in gratitude, thanking God that I have the gym mm-hmm. to unleash all of that. Mm-hmm. And be my most authentic self in that process of pain. I'm not out drinking and partying and hurting someone else. I'm actually using a pair of dumbbells and barbells and machines and loud Metallica and Mm -hmm. hip hop (laughs) to Mm -hmm. build something. 
and hoping that what I'm doing is going to create a physique that people will enjoy mm. and do it with a smile on my face. Mm. And I think with the pain, it's just necessary to feel it brought me pleasure yeah. because I know that it's required. It's going to suck. No different than like playing basketball, being in practice. And he says on the line and you're like, I really got to run. Mm. Yeah. And then eventually you, it's almost like you have to trick your mind and becoming a psycho and saying more, 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 more. And then you mean it. I want more. If it requires pain inside to become better outside, what better message to my creator and to help other people to deal with theirs? Because people are all dealing with freaking pain. Mm-hmm. And they're scared mm-hmm. to, to stand in front of it. And it ain't like I don't have demons either that I got to address, right? Sure. And I've learned that when you hide or you try to, you know, put them under the rug, that's burning me up inside. So if I got to feel some pain now, what's on the other side of it? Gosh. Triumph. Mm. I want the triumphant moment. Mm. I have to have it mm. because I'm tired of living in this pain. Mm. And um, yeah. yeah, that's how I, uh, I mean, I'm not getting ready for a show right now, but I w- if I was in the gym, I'd, people would be like, damn, this guy's a machine, but yet I'm like, that's just what I do. What you do. Yeah, you built this familiarity with pain and you enjoyed it because you know on the other side of it was growth and benefit. And everyone should re-listen to this and you should share with anybody that you care about in anything in life because if you can adjust your relationship with pain and understand that the mere presence of it is actually a really an opportunity for growth on the other side of it. And that's not some hokey you know, <laughs> theoretical, weird thing to say. It's an actual truism in life. I mean, I don't, I, I'd like to think I have a good relationship with pain. It's not like yours because you've, you proved it over and over day in and day out that I think, you know, you were called the gift and I, you have this unique nuance, man. When I didn't know you, I thought this dude is not cocky, but wow, a really, really confident dude. Mm-hmm. I don't think if you're proving it, it's not cocky, right? right? It's, it's real. <laughs> But as I've gotten to know you and meeting you, such a high degree of humility with you too and vulnerability. Like Mm. you're really a kind, gentle man for being so big and strong. My favorite people nuance that line really close. Mm -hmm. They nuance tremendous self-confidence with a degree of humility because Mm -hmm. confidence without humility, if you have no humility, it means you're not curious. You're not going to grow. You're not going to improve. But then we all have those friends that are really humble but have no confidence. You're always having to pick them up and drag them, right? So there's this right in the middle are the people that I like. They got a lot of confidence combined with humility. You seem to have that. You agree with that? Absolutely. I think those people you just mentioned, I'm I'm like squirming in my chair because I'm like, they have no clue how great they can be and that can inspire others because they're so afraid of someone else's opinion. I think most dreams are stolen because of people's concerns about what other people think about them. Yeah, it's calling yourself humble all the time and this mm-hmm. and that. And, mm-hmm. you know, man, what do you really want? Yeah. You know, I, I used to tell people, like, um, I remember watching the Sugar Shane Mosley and uh, Floyd Mayweather fight. Remember that fight? And there was a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Where he stunned Floyd. He sure did. What I did remember. he do, though, after? Yeah. He stopped. He, he like stepped back. He kind of, like, looked he like. He did. Did I just do that? I remember. Oh, my God. And, yep. and I remember everyone, we were all watching. It was actually um, a weekend where all the pros actually get together at an event, and we all guest post together. Okay. So we watched the fights together. Okay. And we were all like, this is the moment. Mm-hmm. And then I said, nope, he's going to recover, and it's over now. Mm. And we saw what happened. Yep. And then we're all kind of like stunned, and I, and I stand up, and I go, you guys don't get it. That window of opportunity, all he needed to just go through that window, but Mm. then as he goes through it, it's open. Yes. Everything is open now. Mm. Through a needle. Thread the needle. Yeah. 
He had his chance, and that never came again. Mm-hmm. We never seen Floyd get rocked like that. Yeah, right. And Floyd, because Floyd learned, like, shoot, like, he's stupid. And the truth he is, gave me, yep. he gave me an opportunity to get back. Yep. He could have wailed on me right there. And Shane was never the same after that either. No, because yep. he was, and, but we, we look at their demeanor. Mm-hmm. Now, boxing is much different, but they're selling a fight. And it's a great that. analogy. But it's a great analogy. It, did 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 Mosley put in the work? Absolutely. He's a he's a multi champion as well. Great fighter. But he was so nice. We'll mm-hmm. always say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Man, he was nice. Yeah. What we say about Floyd? We say all kind of crazy stuff about yep. Floyd. Mm-hmm. But we we can't say that he was a loser. Yep. He was a winner. Yep. They could say, oh, he picked this fight. Doesn't he? Still won. Yep. And. When someone had the opportunity to knock him off, yep. they didn't. Mm. And if he would have, I swear, if, if, if we got Sugar Shane in a room, tell no, he probably admitted. He'd say, I had him. I should have jumped I had on him. him. Yep. I should have pounced on yep. him and beat the hell out of him. You're unbelievable, bro, because that's such a great metaphor in life. It's very true. These little windows open up in our lives, and they're not going to keep coming. <laughs> and when they open... You better jump on them. You better get through them because if you don't, they may not come again. And I think in those moments, it's what you said earlier. I think in those moments, there was something in Shane that was different than there was something in Floyd. Because by the way, Shane, Sugar Shane Mosley was a great mm. fighter. There was that moment in that fight. And by the way, Shane was a little bit maybe past his prime in that fight. But there was a part of Shane that I think didn't think he deserved to beat Floyd. That's exactly what you said earlier, and you're nodding yes. And Floyd still believed he deserved to whoop his butt in that fight. <laughs> and that window opened up for Floyd. He jumped on it, and the rest is history. Floyd kept winning fights after that. So, man, what a great analogy. Right. Do you use that a lot? I was reading, you were saying that you like, you, you part of your work that you do, and by the way, you know, you should be following Phil, because if you want to, you know, the ultimate, there's, there's lots of different people in life. There's motivational people. There's inspiring people. Then there's these motivating and inspiring people are awesome. Then there's people who their being, their life is motivating and inspiring. You're both. You're a motivating and inspiring person, the way you behave and what you talk about. But your actual example of your life is motivating and inspiring, right? So I'm like, what unpacks that? How does this happen? And you said there's something about like reality and emotional triggers, which sort of feeds into what Mm. you were just saying a little bit. Talk about that for a second. What do you mean by that? (laughs) Well... People have to recognize how they, what triggers them yeah. to do this or that. I think, and I had to learn this, when dealing with adversity, how do I respond? Do I respond or do I react? They're two totally different things. What's the difference? Uh, sometimes when you react, you react very poorly. Mm. You react out of um, insecurity. You react out of anger. You, re, you know, your emotions are out of check. When you respond, you're at, you're at peace with yourself okay. you've already practiced this okay see when when someone says hey you know mariah carey go sing this she knows how to respond to that mm. eminem go spit a verse he knows how to respond to that mm. someone that's unprepared they react like oh huh. good point. you know they react mm. why why now why now I'm like hold on i'm not ready yet let me pull out my yeah so you know okay. no you know how to react mm. i want to respond Really good. How do you respond mm. to the challenges in your life? Mm. And that takes practice. Mm. But it, it's, it's really unpacking like your darkest, <laughs> mm-hmm. your darkness, mm-hmm. the things that prevent you from succeeding, the, mm-hmm. the times that you uh, procrastinated and that window of opportunity passed you by. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time, I mean, look, like, I can't say that that hasn't happened to me. Me too. Yep. But I learned from it. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as soon as you learn from that stuff and you do a, what we call like a forensic audit on your emotions, huh, mm. and you write that stuff down, mm. my standards have always been high. Obviously. Yeah. Um, my insecurity has been high as well. And I've used both. Even in the peak of your career, you still have insecurity? Yeah, because I'm not secure with the, you know, well, the peak, oh man, I mean, when I won number four out of seven, started to get some mad chirping going on. And that was around the time where people started like, like you heard a couple of boos. Mm. And I thought, oh man, I remember our, 
our league president, Jim Mangan, said, oh, out of hell with them. You're like Tom Brady, man. Just mm. take the trophy and you want it fair and square, this and that. Mm. Don't let that bother you. Well, I did. It did bother you. It did bother me. And then the false narrative started coming out like as if I wasn't deserved something. And then there was a documentary out a year prior, Generation Iron, that made me look like I didn't earn anything. I and I was, gift, I was gifted everything. Yeah, you're just naturally gifted. Yeah. So I was just yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm not being appreciated for my hard work. So I was having like my Kanye moment where I was just like, I want my respect. Yep. You're going to respect me. Mm. And then I thought, you know what? The more you speak on this stuff, Bill, the more people are hating on you more. Mm, you're it. attracting these demons, these mm. devils. And then I went into a darker place and I said, I can take it mm. and I'll flip it around. Leverage it. Mm. Because at that phase of my life, I had, you know, dad passing, wow. um, divorce, which was very expensive, a business that failed, very expensive, stepmom passed. Sheesh. And I'm supposed to be the best in the world. These are like three, four consecutive years. Things are happening. Mm. And I wasn't really vocal about it. Because mm. I grew up as an only child and I just was kind of taught just to keep it to yourself and just focus on the craft. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. Though. So I, yeah. Um, so I ain't no different than anybody else. I love that you say that because I think people would think you are. Oh, hell and no. And I think, I think the gift sort of sometimes right. makes people think that, right? The fact that you're really vulnerable today, brother, I really appreciate that because... Even for me, it's inspiring. I, I have tons of insecurities. I have learned to leverage them. In our life, all the decisions we're making are either to gain pleasure or avoid pain. Mm. Both are great mechanisms. So I have things I want to chase that I'm dreaming about, that I visualize, that I'm moving towards. That's gaining pleasure, right? It's going to make me happier, more blissful or whatever. That's wonderful. Also, avoiding pain is a powerful emotion. It's a powerful mechanism to move us. The fear of losing is not always a bad thing because it can cause you to train hard to avoid the pain of losing. We're losing a business. Right. So a couple things, last things, because like we're, we can go eight hours with the wisdom that you have. And like I've got to like 20% of the things that I wanted <laughs> to ask you. But one of the things I did want to know about was your faith. You've referenced it a few times today, and I know how important it is to you. Is that a new thing in your life? And how, how important and what role does faith play in Phil Heath's life? I always had it, but I think I, um, I don't want to say afraid of it, but because I think when you say afraid of it, it's just that you don't want to be held accountable. Yeah, you may be afraid to let God down sometimes too, yeah. right? I've had that. It's like, yeah. wow, if people, I don't want to let God down too much. But then I don't whatever. want to be a false prophet either. Right. Yep. So I think as I've gotten older, I realized, like, how do I want this? Like, I, I'm 42, so I figure, well, theoretically, I'm on the back nine of this golf course. Mm. How do I want to end it? Mm. Because I can't bring none of that stuff with me. It's going to be, it's going to stay here. The trophies, all that stuff. I want to know that I have a real relationship with my creator and know that I'm appreciative and I'm being in more gratitude. Because to do what I've done, obviously it requires a lot of hard work, but I mean, I've been injured. I had a couple of hernia surgeries. I was, you know, I dealt with that. You know, I had, an, you know, I had a torn MCL and I still competed through it. Didn't even know I had one until I got the MRI and they're like, yeah, this has been going on for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had a lot of, a lot of stuff and I'm thinking, well, I didn't do this on my own. When I was in my subconscious mind, was I just in my subconscious mind or did I have a little push from the Holy Spirit? So, I you know, that. so I recognized that later. Mm. And then I realized who has been in my corner the entire time. The people that were put in my life at a specific season of my life. And wow. I couldn't have orchestrated this. That's beautiful. You know, I found bodybuilding. I, I mean, looking back at it, I should have been doing it when I was a teen, you know, because of my genetics and stuff. Like that. I never thought of that. But everything had a purpose. So, you know, in my documentary, uh, Breaking Olympia, we go through all those things. You know, and um, we go through my quote unquote last dance. And that wasn't all me. That's beautiful. So I recognize now that I'm older, mm -hmm. got a little wisdom. Mm -hmm. What if I max out on my faith? I love that. 
let's just see how further I can go. And especially with what I see happening in the world today with very timid men, very timid. And I'm not saying I'm the baddest man on the planet. I'm not, but I'm man enough to admit that and to work on that and to receive love and to give it. And, uh, you know, that couldn't have happened without having a strong faith and understanding that, um, it's not about how many trophies I can win. It's about how I can make people feel about themselves and produce some principles in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, with some reassurance that, Hey, it takes one to know one, right? Yeah. You know, I can't just, you know, do this and do this. You're gonna have the certainty of this. It's like, oh man, like this is what I did when I was going through a divorce. This is what I did to kind of maintain focus. Oh, when you're, when you're, when I was guest posing in 2000 and, uh, 2014 and I've uh, it just passed March 29th. 2014, I'm guest posing at Dave Lee Rubin's show in Cleveland, Ohio, get in the car, found out that my dad just passed. And I knew he was going to pass. He passed young. He was 65. Um, um, but I get to the hotel and I realize, oh, wow, I have to be a professional because I have a VIP event at a restaurant and I'm going to meet 200 people. Ooh. So what do I do? Mm-hmm. I had a choice. Mm-hmm. I could either A, and I did this. I lifted up the laptop. Where do you think I went? I went to mm-hmm. Facebook. Yeah. I typed out one sentence and I slammed that damn thing and I turned it off, almost mm-hmm. threw it. I was so angry with myself because I said, the world doesn't need to know this right now. Mm-hmm. How do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. You haven't even, you immediately go to social media. Yeah. These people don't care about you, Phil. Mm-hmm. How do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, give myself a moment. I didn't shed one tear. Okay. Was that because you're callous or this? No. I love my pops. Mm-hmm. We were just starting to reconnect after all these years of not him being absent. Hmm. Okay. Get a shower, get this stupid bronzer and tanning off and see how you feel then. No tears. Then Phil, it's not time yet because you got 200 people downstairs at this restaurant that have paid money to see the man. Mm-hmm. Called him my best friend in college. Best friend to this day. Put him on FaceTime. I told him what happened. We raised a glass, I did my shot, and went to work. Awesome and I didn't tell that story until later because, you know, it wasn't necessary. And, I, and that's where, you know, I, I felt like, um, you know, my faith was stronger because I recognized that my dad did live. And he is not gone. Mm-hmm. He is with me more. Mm-hmm. And he probably gave me some boost in that moment and said, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. You go do, cause that's yeah. what he would have said. Like if he could have just appeared, he'd been like, I'm good. I'm not sick anymore, yeah. but you got these people down here. You better go take care of them. So here. for me, it's, um, it's paramount because I want to touch the world in a way that has zero to do with flexing your biceps. I just want them to remember who the hell they are, who the heck they are, man. I want them to be energized about life mm-hmm. and to understand that there's going to be whys in the road. You're going to fail. You're going to have people doubt you. You're going to have people pulling for you. But if you do believe in a higher power, if you do believe in Jesus, you're definitely going to have something more powerful than you could ever imagine. There's just going to be some doors, some opportunities, if you allow him to drive. Bro. So that's just me. I don't push it on people. I'm just saying it's impacted my life. And in this stage of my life, in this season, I know that it's going to yield some incredible things. Mm. And it already has. I'm already here. Mm. I'm alive. And I'm showing more gratitude of what I've accomplished. And in fact, for a long time, I didn't even stare at my trophies. Mm. And I always felt like, well, who cares? It's all about the next one. Mm. That's true. But man, can you just celebrate a little bit and, mm. and, and acknowledge what you did? Mm. Like acknowledge it? Mm. Because if you get into that habit of not acknowledging mm. the victory. You're not going to want to keep doing it. Yeah. And, then when you, and then when you lose, mm. you're going to lose hard. You got it. And I lost hard. So I know what that felt like. So therefore, I will not do it anymore. Mm. I will stare at those trophies and say, each one of them has a story. Mm. Each one of them. Has a, has a story that I can help maybe somebody else, you help sure a friend can. or someone else yep. and whoever wants to listen or whatever. And now I get to share. Mm. And it did, you know, 
come with a lot of pain and torture and blah, 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 a lot of sacrifice. And, but most importantly, I was able to thank God for my body because I put it through hell and back. And I think that's, I know that's where I'm at right now Mm -hmm. is to just be like, man, like I still train and, you know, and people are like, man, you you doing Olympia this oh, year later go. on? You right. know, because I I you know I'm 260 pounds right now. I could mm-hmm. easily get, get it back up to 280 and mm-hmm. drop down. And then I think to myself, it's really cool to be in control of knowing that you can do it if you choose to, and if mm-hmm. you don't, you can do something completely different. I think what you just did today, brother, I I'm just sitting here blown away. Just to be really honest with you, like I'm blown away. I knew your high Q was super high. I knew you had a deep faith. I knew you had unbelievable to communi- ability to communicate, but today was unbelievable. Oh, thank you. Look at me. Yeah. I'm telling you, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And um, no pun intended, you were a gift today for a completely different reason <laughs> than you've been for many, many years in the bodybuilding world. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, your dad, how proud he must be of you, mm-hmm. you know, and you said that you, you know, that you had this kind of, recognition and realized your faith or the, or the profound impact of God being in your life the whole time, the power of what you just said and who you are is you just helped a whole bunch of people for the first time themselves realize that with the story that you told. So I got to ask you one last thing. We got to do it quickly. What are the chances of you making one more run to, go get, <laughs> to catch Coleman, right? He's, you got yeah. seven, he's got eight. Just because today was all about life, mm-hmm. not anything about bodybuilding. But my bodybuilding audience is going to want to know, like, if you don't ask Phil Heath, then you made a of mistake. Course. So percentage chance, one to 100, that you at some point go make a run for eight again. I like that last part you said, at some point, because it yeah. doesn't have to mean today. Correct. Um, 5%. 5% at some point. At some point. It okay. could, you know, but. Okay. Right now, it's staying at five. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I have to tell you that I, for some reason, think that I hope you, if you want to make a run of that and enriches your soul, do it. But you found your calling. Mm-hmm. And I think bodybuilding, all the way from your upbringing with the way you were raised with your parents, with your dad, and they were a little bit distant, all the way through, you know, basketball to the ballets to your bodybuilding career to all of this stuff, to all the reading you do, all the praying you do. He's a self improvement addict. I uh, just feel like you've been in preparation for this season of your life the whole time. And that was just the pro, that was the backstory that's going to give you credibility to teach all the lessons you did today. So, Phil Heath, thank you so no. much for today, brother. Thanks, brother. Exceeded my expectations. <laughs> Go follow Heath, uh, Phil on everything on social media and keep your eye out for Breaking Olympia documentary that'll be out at some point soon where you can get even more of the backstory on this man's incredible life and incredible journey. So, hey, everybody, make sure you're sharing this show. This is one of these where you're like, you got to hear what the heck Phil Heath said because it's not what I expected. There's some stuff today I did not know Phil Heath was going to cover with my let. And make sure you go out and get my book, The Power of One More, because it's going to change your life as well. It'll help you do all the stuff that Phil talked about today, especially those one more reps in the gym. God bless you all. Max out your life. This is The Ed Milet Show. 